welcome to episode four of the SBK Saturday Night Selections. We're working our way through the Triple Crown. We got a, a week off uh, this week from the trail. We've got the Belmont upcoming in the next uh, few weeks, but we'll be looking back on the Preakness uh, in this episode. We'll be looking forward to the Soaring Softly Stakes uh, as uh, well over at uh, Belmont. We'll also have action from Salisbury to uh, look at as uh, well, but... That's all to come in the next uh, few moments or so. Uh, one thing that doesn't seem to change, or it might do in the next few weeks, uh, other participants, myself, Lee Gelder, uh, alongside Tom Collins. Uh, Tom, how are you? Morning, Luke. Yeah, I'm all good, thank you. Still reeling after our, our famous double loss last week. Uh, we didn't get off to the best start, but um, hopefully this week we're going to get more winners. It's a much trickier affair, I think, the soaring softly than the Preakness was, um, but it's a very good affair. Everyone should tune in for this, for this good turf race for the Phillies. Yes, it's more of a... European race? Yeah, exactly that. European angles. Yeah, I'd say so. I, I must touch on last week. I was so confident on a double. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, the week before, did I do the lucky 15 where we got three out of four? No. Did I do the double? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't go to plan, did it? Mercy and him was too keen and the race just didn't really set up. And then when it came to the Preakness, I mean, just everything went wrong from the outset, didn't it? Yeah, what I was currently on my way back driving home from a, a different job and I the Dartford crossing had been shut. So I had to divert. I, I got diverted into London somehow uh, and everything was going wrong on my trip home. I thought, you know what? I'll pull over. Sensible. Uh, and then epicenter, just everything went wrong from the stall. So it was a horrible, horrible few hours for me. But epicenter just had a torrid, torrid time of things. Yeah, so early voting obviously won the Preakness and Epicenter finished second, but the whole race was defined at the start, right? It was the break that, that made early voting win and Epicenter lose. Epicenter just didn't have that early speed or that gate speed we saw in the Risen Star, the Louisiana Derby or the Kentucky Derby. Joe Rosario tried to get him up into the firing line, but he just took a, a few strides longer than he, than he would have in the previous races, as I listed. And he just couldn't get into that early position. He was crowded out, forced to go towards the back of the field. Meanwhile, early voting, joining the perfect gate in still five. Jose Ortiz, one little shake of the reins, gets into a prominent position, took a lead. Chad Brown said they weren't afraid to take a lead. They did. They sat second behind Armagnac and the race panned out perfectly for the Chad Brown trainee and he went on to win the Preakness. Yeah, I think that's the thing that we, we got right in our preview that Armagnac was always going to go a little bit too hard and he did. Um, I don't know where he's going to go next, but early voting, things could not have gone better for, for him. Whereas with the likes of Epicenter, it was a nightmare. I, I don't know where Epicenter is going to go next because he's for me, he's not a Belmont horse whatsoever. I, I, didn't, I haven't heard any quotes coming out, but maybe he'll just go to Saratoga or something like that. Yeah, I think that would be the smart play. Look, if, he, if he's going to go to the Belmont, he's probably going to get beaten. He's not a stamina horse. At the same time, he's obviously got the class to win that race. Debatably unlucky to have lost both the Derby and the Preakness. The way he rallied up the inside um, at Pimlico to take second behind early voting was really admirable. I saw loads of abuse or hate towards John Rosario on Twitter. I don't know how you felt about it, but I thought the ride was perfectly reasonable. Um, he got a perfect trip in behind um, on the rail behind creative minister throughout the race yes he didn't get the early position that everyone wanted him to but that was mainly the horse not the rider in my opinion and the fact he rallied well as i mentioned on a track that definitely suited front runners so difficult yeah. to make ground up because of the weather um that he he was really admirable in defeat to finish second i think he's a great horse going forward i would definitely skip the belmont though, i have to say yeah, I, I was obviously on the podcast last week and we were asked who our overrated jockeys in the US were. And I said Joel Rosario, but mainly for the fact that he's number one. Um, and I think he, he does make mistakes, but at a lower level. I don't think he was to blame at all for, for Epicenter. He, he started slow. Uh, he didn't get a, a good early position, as, as you say. And 
I don't think John Rosario could have done anything else. If you put Irad on epicenter, he wouldn't have been any better than, than second place. If you put jo- uh, uh, Jose Ortiz on board, you wouldn't have been any better than second place. It's just the way the race panned out. If he sat maybe third or fourth early on and jumped better, do I think he'd have won? Yeah, no doubt. I think he'd have been been quite an easy winner, but things like that happen. And, and as you say, on a, on a track that was very much favouring a, a pace bias and, and horses towards the, the front, he always was sort of up against it it was just a it was just a nightmare to be honest yeah things just haven't panned out well for steve asmussen's cult has have they i mean just being beaten by rich striker in the kentucky derby who would have seen that coming and then the, the poor break in, and the preakness he's been unfortunate asmussen's been unfortunate with a few star three-year-old cults but i think a jockey with uh, more inexperienced than rosario would have tried to rush him up and you'd have seen a worse result there from epicenter he'd have burned out yes. too soon he'd have had to go wide on the bend i think he got a good trip unlucky to lose but he ran well in defeat and we've seen a new star three-year-old in early voting yeah absolutely we have to mention secret oath as well who uh, fair play to connections but for taking on the boys uh, again we said last week that we thought she'd be up against it she ran a, a really good race pr- pretty much kind of where we expected her to, to be um as well but I would imagine she's going to go against Phillies once again next time around. Yeah, she's not for two against the boys. She ran very respectably, as you said, and she got jostled out of things early on. She sat last. Louis Sires decided to make a move around the bend, which wasn't ideal. And she flattened out in the closing uh, half of Furlong. I think, as, as you just touched on, that was kind of what we expected from her. But she ran very creditably without getting a dream trip. Definitely back against the Phillies and she'll win again 100%. Yeah, just a, a quick last word before we move on from the, the Preakness. Uh, early voting connections uh, have said that he's not, not going to go to the Belmont. He'd be a silly move anyway. It's not, not his sort of race. But um, uh, early voting will go to Saratoga, uh, Tom, which I imagine he'd probably meet Epicenter there and, and there'd be quite a few others from the, the Kentucky Derby and, and the Preakness that would turn up. Yeah, highly likely. He's probably going to be favourite next time he runs and, and for the foreseeable future, Chad Brown at Saratoga is just formidable um, combination. He does so well at that track and early voting. Look, what, what's the downside for this horse? He's only had four starts, clearly on a, a real stiff upward trajectory. And he'll probably go and win at Saratoga and then uh, be stamped the leading three-year-old Colt. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Albeit if Mo Donegal wins the Belmont, or sorry, when Mo Donegal wins the Belmont. <laughs> We've got to have consistency. We've mentioned Mo Donegal winning the Belmont on every show so far. After he wins the Belmont, don't know what we're going to talk about. <laughs> we're, going to, we're going to have to find a new horse for everyone to latch onto. But he's currently, I think he's around the 9-4, to 5-2 to two mark of Mo Donegal. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that because we got a, a bit to mention on him a little bit later on. But as we mentioned at the start of the show, the Soaring Stoffley at stakes is... Uh, uh, the, the main race of the, the weekend, um, just before we get into the runner-by-runner runner analysis, uh, Tom, seven furlongs on, on turf at Belmont. Yeah, seven furlongs on turf for the Phillies and Mares. It's a good event. It's a grade three. We've got a massive field considering what, I, I don't know what you're expecting, but I was expecting six, seven, eight runners. We've got 12, four slash 13 if you catch the main track only, count the main track only as well. So it's a good field, a good betting heat. We won't get an odds on favourite like we have for the last few races that we've covered on this podcast. Um, and it, it, it's a race where you can also find an each way angle, not just a win selection. Yeah, I think the markets that myself and Tom have made up would kind of make a, a seven to four favourite uh, in the, the race. But we'll, we'll get to what we might well think selection wise. But runner by runner analysis, I'm taking the odds. Tom's taking the uh, evens and I'm siding, well, starting with uh, champagne poetry for, for Louis Sayers, who I think is more of a back number in this 12 to 12 in the Bourbonette Oaks last time at, at Turfway. Um, only run on turf, finished third on debut. I don't think is good enough here, Tom. 
No, uh, horse number two might be good enough. That's Breeze Easy, formerly trained by Dave Evans over in the UK. It's been shipped out to the US, now trained by Christophe Clement. was bought for 350000 and boasted an official rating of 93 in the UK, 10 to 1 on the morning line. Very intriguing runner. Uh, number three is Lost My Sock, not the same horse that won a ripping last night for Tim Easterby, but Lost My Sock does have a chance, was fourth in the Limestone Stakes behind Derrynan uh, last time around, obviously uh, the, the winner or the second, I should say, uh, from that race does turn up here. I think the step up in trip will help, but class is a slight question mark. Yes, the same applies to number four, Wish You Well. Another one that costs a load, $550,000, one um, on debut at Goldstream Show, blistering early pace before be- being beaten at Churchill. Arguably the leader in this race. Could set a slow tempo, though. Not many others will go forward 12 to 1 on the morning line. Yeah, absolutely. Anador might try and go forward. Does have form over a bit further than this. Uh, did manage to win over a mile uh, at uh, Belmont. Last time around, though, was second behind Omix Ochi uh, at uh, Gulfstream. If you're a Gulfstream aficionado uh, Anado, like myself, you will know that that form is not good enough to winning this race. Tom needs to step up. Yeah, another horse that also needs to step up is number six. Snow loves a fight. You won't miss her in the race. She's a great filly. Irad Ortiz rode her to victory last time out. She got off the mark on the fourth attempt, but now Irad jumped ship to number 12, Shardy Party, who we'll come to in a minute. This filly needs a big step up, 20 to 1. We get to the contenders, the wider we get uh, draw-wise. And we get to number seven, Wonka, who I think is a a really intriguing runner here. Uh, was impressive over an extended mile at uh, Gulfstream. Trip, I don't think it's going to be any sort of issue. Did run a bare speed figure of 74 that day. So we'll need a bit extra, but there's more to come from that, uh, Wonka. I'm a, I'm a little sweet on this one, Tom. Yeah, and I'm a little sweet on this next one. <laughs> the morning line favourite, Haughty, number eight. Chad Brown, Flavian Pratt, the ideal combination in New York or across the country, some might say. She finished third in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies Turf. Brilliant effort given she was posted wide on the bend. She's going to go off favourite. She's five to two on the morning line. I think she'll be around seven to four at the off. Yeah, I'd agree with you regarding prize. I think that the main danger to uh, Horty uh, is uh, Derrynan, the uh, the nine horse in the race. Uh, Joel Rosario on board, our friend from uh, last week, uh, was second in the Limestone Stakes, was so unlucky in that contest, though, behind uh, Rithin, who, for what it's worth, I think Rithin was the best two-year-old that uh, Wesley Ward had last season. I know the performances on the race course don't uh, really back that up, but Rithin could be a nice horse this year. And with the setup, hopefully Derrynan can go one better here. Yeah, she'll be towards the back of the field. And one horse that will be forward placed is Sail By, number 10. Real speedy filly. She won the grade two Miss Grio Stakes last year. She hasn't really come back this season with a great burst. She got beaten easily on her comeback. But she could be a major player if she takes a step forward. She's 15 to 1. Could be a little bit shorter in the off. Uh, the 11 horse here is Ureka for Manny Franco, but travelled pretty powerfully in the Appalachian uh, more recently. Stamina is a slight question mark uh, for me. I did win over seven furlongs at Dax over in France before heading over to the, the US and has one over six and a half at Santa Anita, but would be another one that I'd assign the, the tag on, uh, Tom, of uh, needs a little bit more here. Yes, and finally, my last horse in this race is Shardy Party, number 12, represents Wes Ward, so will be well-founded in the betting, and it's unbeaten after one start. Was bought from Tattersall's in the new market before shipping to the US. Closed well from off the speed at Keeneland, but the second hasn't done anything for the form. We need to take a big step forward, but it's around 11-2, 9-2 in the morning line, and we'll go off around that price too. Yeah, won't be the final horse you'll see on the the... the... Uh, the race card though because the 13 is in here that's that baby man uh, is a main track only entrance so if you're new to american racing if there's a deluge at belmont and the race gets taken off turf then baby man will run if baby man uh, if, if there's no rain and, and the, the rain is on turf then baby man will not be there but if it's on turf then we will not be seeing the 13 so that is the field for the soaring softly um first thing i wanted to mention to you mm-hmm. haughty we are going to be hated by americans <laughs> for pronouncing it like like that they go haughty and i just can't do it 
No, I, I don't. I don't feel like we have the uh, cojones, as they would say. <laughs> uh, I didn't expect myself to say that on this podcast either. But uh, I think we're going to go for the English pronunciation of haughty. Um, maybe the commentator will uh, will prove us wrong when he's calling her past posting first. Yeah, potentially. Potentially. I, I know. I know haughty is the one that you like most for win purposes. So I'll, I'll, I'll hand over to you. Tell us why you think haughty will win the, the, the soaring softly. Yeah, okay. Before I go into the reason behind this, I, I need to say she's not my number one pick in the race. I think she's very much the horse to be, and I really wouldn't be surprised if she won. But she's a reasonably short price favourite. Five to on the morning line. If we get that, then I'll definitely be having a bet on her. But I think she'll open a little bit shorter, and that may tempt me to my number one selection, which we'll come to later. But Haughty won her first two starts, albeit first time out she got disqualified and placed third. Second time at Keeneland, she bolted up. She was a short price, but she ran away with that race. Keen early, you may have expected her to fold up and not produce the finishing kick that we saw on debut but she really just moved away from that field really impressive performance and then on our third outing she went to the Breeders' Cup in the Juvenile Phillies turf she was sent off four to one favorite which just shows you one how well regarded she is and two what obviously we expected to see on the racetrack and she you know she lived up to that hype she finished third it was a good effort it wasn't a great effort she got beaten by a couple of horses, Pizza Bianca, who lost first time up this year, but then won second time up, and Malavath, who lost in the Guineas over here, for, um, French trained horse. I think that effort was the best performance we've seen in this race. I think she sets the form standard. The question mark is, is she going to return in her best form? And she drops down in trip. I think that will suit the latter um, there because she was keen in her races over a mile or an extended mile, and the drop back to seven furlongs should be a positive for her. I think she's very much the horse to beat. Yeah, I, I respect Haughty, I have to say. But at the prices and what she's done on the course, I, I prefer others. What, what was the shortest price you would back Haughty at? I think two to one. I think seven to four is the fair price, but I don't feel like there's much value there. Um, I feel like that's the price she's going to open up or be sent off. If she goes bigger than two to one, five to two on the morning line, if she matches that, I think that's a very fair price for a filly that we definitely haven't seen the best of yet. Yeah, the horse that, that I like, it would be my most likely idea of the winner uh, will be Derry Nan, who I mentioned a little bit earlier on. Joel Rosario uh, taking the the ride. She's just, I can't believe that she's only won two races in her career. She's, she's raced five times. She was probably the best horse in the, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint. She was definitely the best horse last time around in the, the Limestone Stakes, and she didn't win either of them. She finished fourth in the Breeders' Cup. She finished second uh, at Keeneland last time around. I, I mentioned that was behind Rithin, who I think is a horse that we both liked coming over to Royal Ascot last year. And Rithin ran okay, but there were reports that maybe Rithin wasn't training quite right at that sort of time. And they, they backed off and Rithin made a, a very pleasing restart to, to her career. But Terry Nan just came from so far back. I think this trip is going to suit her down to the ground as, as well. She's been running over at sort of five and a half furlongs. She's been finishing her races so strongly. Anyone who tuned into the Breeders' Cup last year as well remember if you were anywhere towards the rear, in a sprint at least, you had no chance. You were done. Uh, in the the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint, Twilight Gleaming made every single yard of the running. In the, the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint, uh, Golden Powell just blew out the stalls and, and that was it. The, the race was over after about three strides. Derry Nan might not get the perfect setup here, but I just feel that she could be a really, really good horse, Tom. And I, I, I expected when I first saw the field to see her as favourite, the fact that she's probably not going to be, I'm I'm very happy about that. I think she'll probably go off around three to one. What was she in the morning line? Seven to two, right? Um, I think probably that's a bit 
um, not optimistic. Well, optimistic, I guess, if you fancy her, but uh, unrealistic if you if you want to punt her. She was a major eye catcher on her return, as you say. She closed so well into second and was unlucky not to beat Ruthen on the line. Uh, Wes Ward's trained sprinters, you know, a bit more precocious and speedy than Derry Nan. But Derry Nan, you said you're sure that she's going to handle the trip. That's my one concern with her. I know how well she's been finishing over the five and a half furlongs, but her pedigree suggests that six furlongs is the, the ideal distance. And the way she shapes in her races suggests this trip should be no problem. And if you watch her last time, her last effort or the Breeders' Cup on the replays, you'll see that she finishes best of all. I think she's probably better suited to a, a real sprint where they go hard early and maybe fall into pieces close home and then she picks them up rather than trying to use her stamina and speed at the same time. Also, I'm a bit concerned about where she's going to sit early. I know you said you're not 100% sure what trip she's going to get. I think uh, John Rosario is going to be a bit... Uh, uh, passive in the saddle again and sit towards the back and hope for a late run and that would require her to run down the likes of 40 and a couple of other horses who we're going to touch on in a minute yeah i, I agree with that that the trip is the slight issue uh, obviously we saw with epicenter and learned the hard way last week that, that being at the back isn't the, the most ideal position i disagree strongly about seven furlongs <laughs> strongly disagree I, I think that's going to be absolutely fine for her i, I think she'd, she'd win over six she'd win over five to be honest i think she's just a very good horse um i prefer her to to 40 as well go very english and, and say but she's going to be my pick in the race you mentioned that that uh, haughty was going to be your most likely idea of the winner but not a bet at the prices who is your your bet yeah so as i say i will back haughty if she's five to two or bigger but the main bet is an each way play and it's also called breeze easy she's another horse trained by christophe clement much like Derry nan arguably the second string but i don't really see it like that i think they're two different horses this is her first run for christophe as well so we're yet to really compare her to the likes of Derry nan and haughty we don't really know how she's going to stack up but i think that factor means we're going to get a better price on her i think the u.s punters are going to just try and ignore her because her form in the uk was good without being amazing she was rated 93 as i touched on she finished second in a listed race as well at newbury um got beat by a horse called jumbly who just relished the soft ground that day she finished second the soft ground just wasn't ideal but she ran through the race nicely and produced a career best performance i think she's open to loads of improvement now we've seen her m- many more times than haughty um a couple more times than, than derry nan but I don't think we've seen her at her best. I think good ground or good to firm ground or firm ground depends how much rain's going to fall. But whatever we're going to get at Belmont, I think that's really going to suit Breeze Easy. She didn't really like the soft ground on her last two efforts in the UK. And the fact that Connections spent $350,000 on her suggests that they really expect her to take a big step forward. Now, her pedigree isn't amazing by any means. So they haven't just purchased her to be a dam and go to the breeding sheds. It's, a bit, it's about what she's going to perform on the, on the racetrack as well. I love the drawing gate too. I think she's going to sit mid-division early. There's not going to be much early pace in this race, I don't think. Wish you well from four should take them on. And that should allow Javier to sit fifth or sixth and then hopefully scoot out for a late burst. She has good acceleration. This trip should suit. And at a double-figure price, she's definitely my each-way play. Yeah, you mentioned pace there. The only signed-on pace that I've got is the, the 10 horse. I think Wish You Well will probably go forward uh, also, but they're not going to go a mad gallop. I think Sail By might be the the, the most likely pace angle in the, the race, but I, I'm hoping they get involved into a bit of a pace duel for the hold-up horses, but I just I don't see it happening. Yeah, I, I don't see that happening either. This is a turf race um, in New York and they don't go hard and early when there's a, about four or five pace um, sets in the race. So when there's just one um, or maybe two and they're not even bona fide front runners, they just have gone forward in their previous races, um, then I'm not convinced they're going to go breakneck gallop. And that would 
pay against the chances of uh, Darren Anna and also Wonka, who's a horse we haven't actually touched on yet. Yeah, we'll touch on Wonka uh, now, who who would be my each way play into the race. is currently, I think, on the morning line around eight to one or so for uh, for Wonka. Yeah, eight to one on the, the morning line, who I think is a horse that I like more than you do. Uh, I think you're a bit more worried about the trip, which is fair enough. But the way that, that Wonka's travelled through those races uh, so far, in her career i think she could be a pretty useful individual obviously one at goldstream last time around that was only in a maiden special way let's not get into too carried away with with that but it's the manner that she she managed to win that race with uh, she traveled powerfully she quickened nicely and she just looked a class above them she ran to a bare speed figure of uh, of 74 that day and granted she is dropping in trip she's not got masses to find with the likes of, of Derry nan and, and haughty we're talking about a horse who's only ran twice so naturally there is going to be improvement to come from at wonka do i expect wonka to win this race no but do i find it interesting that that bill mott is going to throw her in here yeah i, I do and I, I would have wonka as a, a rock solid each way play in this time yeah, she's an intriguing runner, isn't she? Uh, she's been running over the extended mile, and I think that's probably her ideal trip. So the drop down to seven furlong is, is the one negative I have about her. But as you say, she created a lovely visual impression last time out of Goldstream. She's only had two starts. She could easily take a big jump forward, and perhaps she's being overlooked in the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else you wanted to mention that, that had a chance? No, I think we've covered all the big guns. Yeah. Uh, actually, no, we haven't. No, we haven't. We haven't in time, we haven't at all. The, the Wesley Wardhorse, <laughs> uh, who is out in 12, Charlie Party. This is a horse who on debut. Um, I think you text me because you, you had bad signal or something and you wanted to watch this race and ended up, I think I was in the washing up at the time or something. I forgot entirely about it. So I went and watched it. Very, very impressive on debut. Not many horses could run to a, a speed figure of 83 on debut, but the fact that Charlie Party had to come from so far back there's a lot of ability there. Yeah, she's very talented. As you mentioned, you, you sent me the replay of the race and I did watch it and think, there's no way this filly's going to get up. She was miles back turning in at Keeneland and she ran down a horse called Pelagroso, who I actually tipped the other day and lost, which is probably why I'm a, a bit sour about it and not considering Charlie Party as a major player here. Um, she's got loads of ability. She could easily take a step forward. Interested to see how she's ridden. She's stepping up from a sprint trip to seven furlongs. Maybe they'll be a bit more aggressive, especially from the wide gate. I think that's another negative for her. But look, this could be a real sharp filly. I thought we'd see her at Royal Ascot, um, but maybe that's not the plan. Um, they're going to go here for the soaring softly. If she wins, I'll be crying saying, why have I not backed this horse? Because she was so impressive first time out, but she's just not on my radar. I don't think she'll finish in the first three. Disagree. I've got I've got her second in this. I've got her second. She she was a very un-Wesley Ward horse. On her debut, she showed no early pace. She was right out towards the back of the field. She was drawn towards the inside, and things were a nightmare from the start. But the, she was the only horse to make up any sort of ground whatsoever. You mentioned when Pellegroso was, was out in front. Was always on the lead. And the horses that were in second, third, fourth, they were generally there, thereabouts, for the majority of the race. Charlie Party came from about 10th or 11th as they turned for home. Had about 10 maybe a little more lengths to, to find up uh, on, on the turn for home. So, so impressive. I, I couldn't I couldn't ignore Charlie Party. The draw's not ideal, but I think they'll ride her pretty similar again today. But this is I think this is the first big disagreement we've had on the, the Saturday night selection. So um, not that you're tipping a tri-cast. What would you put as your one, two, three in this? I think Horsey's the most likely winner. Breezy's is going to be my main selection. Um, I think she'll finish in the first two. And then probably Derry Nan, she'll pick up the pieces for third. Uh, opposite. Uh, Derry Nan, I think, will win. I think Charlie Party will be second. And I'll put Wonka in third. I, I'm, I'm going for a complete Haughty blowout. 
<laughs> if that happens then uh, well you're a braver man than me to be fair i'll be giving you the kudos this time next week if you if you get that right I'll do the same for you with Breeze Easy because I cannot have her whatsoever, but best of luck with Breeze Easy. Um, <laughs> we have got Salisbury to, to look at very quickly as well. I think we've both got one selection uh, each. Yours comes in at the staying contest a little bit later on in the card, doesn't it? Yes, Duke of Verona in the 8.15 at Salisbury. I found this, this card really tricky and I'm actually I'm on Sky Sports tomorrow and, and I did look at Foss last, which I will be covering in the studio and genuinely have no strong selections there either. Um, so we're sticking to the 8.15, which is Duke of Verona. There are a couple of horses in here that bring good form to the table. Orin Swift, who I know you would have chosen in this race, and Songo. They've both got good recent form. But I like Duke of Verona, who finished eighth on, her, uh, on his comeback at Ascot. First time cheap pieces that day, big field. And he was ridden out the back, um, just impossible to make ground up that day in a much better race than this. Last year, he looked a proper performer. Um, he finished third to a smart horse at Newbury as well. I, I think he's going to take a step forward. He's the class in this race. And I don't know what price we're going to get about him, but I think he's definitely the most likely winner. Yeah, I was going to go for Oren Swift in this, but to be honest, Duke of Verona being in there and Oren Swift did get the run of the race last time around. I've gone against Oren Swift, or not against, but I've not tipped Oren Swift. I have, however, tipped in the 6-10 for Regal Envoy for Clive Cox and Liam Canary, who last time around over six furlongs had a horrible draw, had to jump out, use a lot of energy up early on to get over to the far side rail with Hector Crouch on board. It just got a bit tired in the closing stages. There was no real shame in that at all. I think the trip will will very much help out this time is, is over five furlongs. Uh, the draw is a bit kinder as well in store six. And if managing to get to the front, which I don't see any reason why Regal Envoy wouldn't, then I don't see Regal Envoy coming back to them. This is an easier race as well. Makarova, the horse that, that managed to collar him uh, last time around, is a horse who came here in, in very good form and uh, will likely win more races as well. So uh, I'll side with Regal Envoy in the 6.10, Tom in the 8.15 with Duke of Verona. Uh, they're the Salisbury uh, selections, albeit it is a very, very muddling card. Um, we'll get into questions because we've got three slash four, depending how long we take. Uh, question one is from John. Uh, it says, when can we expect to see Mo Donegal run next? I'll take this. <laughs> Mo Donegal will next be seen winning the Belmont Stakes uh, on the 11th of yes. June. Yeah. yeah, 11th of June. Um, but yeah, that's when we'll see Mo Donegal next winning. Uh, question two from Tom. Was this from you? No, it wasn't from me. I didn't ask myself when I had a question. <laughs> uh, what's next for Chad Brown's Speak of the Devil? Yeah, it's a good question. That Thank you, Tom, for tweeting me. Um, good, good, I, question, good question, me. Well done. <laughs> In truth, I, I don't actually know the answer to this question, um, but she'll definitely be targeted at some of the leading mile races um, this year. She was so impressive on her first U US start after moving from France. Um, that came at Churchill and she just romped clear. I think she was suited by the, the giving the ground that day. She's actually worked recently at Belmont, I think four days ago, five days ago, May the 22nd. Um, and she worked really nicely. So she's in New York right now. I imagine they're probably going to go Saratoga with her. Um, but she's a very sharp filly to look forward to in the future. Yeah, if you want to watch replays, by the way, of, of any Churchill performances, Churchill are a little, little bit more tricky with their videos and, and watching races live. The, the website is actually very accommodating for that. It's completely the opposite. Um, I think you have to make an account, Tom, but that's free. And then you can watch any replay you want. Just put the date and the, the race in and then yeah, you're good to go. Yeah, exactly. Spot on. Obviously, you can use the major uh, UK websites, likes about the races um, for US replays. But as Luke said, Churchill's a tough one to find. Uh, there are other tough ones to find. And also YouTube's a, a good angle for the likes of Turfway um, and some other different tracks. Yeah, Oaklawn, uh, I throw into that mix as, as well. And Monmouth. Monmouth, a, a nightmare to, to find. Um, question three. 
what are our early Epsom Derby and Oaks picks? Uh, this is from Ken and Josh uh, asking the same question. So, Tom, I'll let you lead. Yeah, difficult one. Um, I don't want to do some horrific aftertiming, but I'm going to. Um, I'm on Desert Crown for the Derby. I backed him at 40s before um, the season started. I backed two horses. I'll clarify this to make the aftertiming sound a little bit better. Um, I backed Antara as well, who unfortunately is out for the year. Desert Crown was the other one. So I'm hopeful that SBK Ambassador Richard Kingscote will, will ride the winner at Epsom. Um, and in the Oaks, I have no strong opinion. I think Emily Upjohn deserves to be favourite. She's obviously got the best form in the book, leading connections, and her York win was just really decisive. Maybe the dark horse in the race is Tranquil Lady for Joseph O'Brien. Um, obviously, his above the curve has been taken out of the race. Um, this is the number one string now, but I wouldn't be surprised if the favourite got off the mark. I'm the opposite. I've got no real strong view in the derby, but I think Emily Upjohn will win the Oaks. I've been seriously, seriously impressed by Emily Upjohn. I'm going to do the opposite and not brag about after timing. I'm going <laughs> to brag about, about being being a Muppet. Uh, she was about seven or eight to one after she won at Sandown. I thought that was impressive. You know, that, that could be a really nice horse. And I, I'll leave it a few days. I'll leave it a few days. And then she went into fours. I was like, well, there's no point now. Then she won the Musidora. She's now around even money or so. Yeah. <laughs> Emily Upjohn. So I'm sitting here without a ticket on Emily Upjohn. But her form is just stacking up left, right, and center. You go back to that Sandown down run where she dismantled a good looking field there's winners coming out of that i think the 11th has won the 10th has won um emotion has won and been beaten since no, uh, i think a listed race over it at goodwood there's a, a horse i've got in my tracker called new year's honors who was fifth i think that runs in a handicap of like a mark of 70 or something in a few days time uh, that will win uh 740 at windsor by the way on monday uh, if you want a selection for going forward on that but i i, I just i really like emily upjohn i know it's boring but around even money or so I, I think she'll just take the, the world of beating and i haven't really got a strong view in the in the derby so i'll i'll pass on that and i'll i'll let tom bask in the sun on, on that part <laughs> and question four uh, a jumping one that's a that's a first uh does applitard deserve to be rated higher than alaho I can't believe we're answering a, a jumping question, a jumps question in May. Uh, unbelievable, um, <laughs> unbelievable behaviour. But look, I'll, I'll answer this as quickly as I possibly can. Uh, and I would say, yes, Apitar does deserve to be rated higher than Alaho. Only £3 difference right now on official ratings and on RPRs. They're, they're carbon copy of each other. So I think that's a good indication that the rating is correct. Alaho is very impressive, obviously, for the last year and a half when he steps up to three miles full time for the whole season. I know we saw him over three miles last time out. I think we might see a better horse and maybe he'll leapfrog Applitard in the ratings. But right now, Applitard deserves to be rated high. Agree. One thing that, that always irks me a little bit is that the ratings are done on their best performance. Applitar's best performance was scintillating in the, the Gold Cup. Uh, Alaho, very, very good. Don't get me wrong. But Applitard, his best performance was probably better than, than Alaho's best performance. That's where the rating has come from. That's why Applitard is rated higher than, than Alaho. Um, all round and consistently, is he a better horse than Alaho? Maybe not. But on that performance, yeah. Yeah, he 100% was. Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree with that entirely. Uh, thank you to everyone for your questions. Um, get them through on Twitter to the SBK account or to Tom. Tom will find them um, no matter what. I still need to make a new Twitter. Come on, mate. You're slacking here. I know. I'm getting on that. I'm getting on that. But we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Uh, that's pretty much just done for the the day um do remember uh, sbk offer uh, new sbk customers will get 30 pounds in free bets by depositing at uh, 10 pounds t's and c's do apply that's a pretty much weekly rolling uh, offer uh, as uh, well to new sbk uh, customers so uh, come join us on that front and hopefully we'll enjoy a bit of success on the american front uh, this uh, weekend uh, tom just clarify your selections for us 
Yeah, and the soaring softly stakes at Belmont, the selection is breeze easy. She's going to be around 10 to 1. I think she's a good each way play. And then at Salisbury in the 8.15, Duke of Verona is the sole play. Hopefully we'll be confident after Duke of Verona going into the soaring softly. Yeah, I'll take in the soaring softly, Derry Nan, who hopefully will get a nice setup. And in the 6.10 at Salisbury, I'll take Regal Envoy for Clive Cox and Liam Kinneary. But that is us done for this week on the SBK Saturday Night Selections. You can catch us on all major podcast providers. You can catch us Friday afternoon, Saturday morning, whenever the podcast does go out. You can subscribe on YouTube as well, and then you'll be updated when a new video does go up. And also any comments, leave in the comment section below. We'll get back to you on the week after podcast. But Tom, thank you very much I'll, I'll see you next week yeah see you next week Luke best of luck with Darren thanks for listening guys we'll, uh, we'll see you in a week's time until then have a very good uh, weekend and week stay safe look after another goodbye